chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. Lord dealt with my heart. He'd been dealing with my heart about Esau for a week or two. And, but I just never really could put it together um, until this week. And this week God really allowed me to put a few things together uh, on this. And so I just want to try to be obedient mind the Lord this morning uh, in uh, Hebrews chapter number 12. Uh, we'll get our reading this morning, verse number 12. And the Bible says there, Wherefore, lift up the hands of which hang down and feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men, holiness without which no man can see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, God, that you'd touch and help, Lord, in the service time this evening, this morning. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to hearts. I don't know who all's here. God, maybe some that are lost and need to be saved, some saved folk that need to move up. Uh, Lord, all I know is you've laid this message on our heart, and I pray, God, that you'd help us to preach it. I pray, God, that it'd be a blessing to everyone that listens, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. If you study Hebrews chapter number 12, you'll find that uh, it deals primarily with encouraging the downtrodden. Uh, this group of Hebrew believers, they were uh, facing some persecution when this letter was written. And there was a lot more persecution under Nero to come. And so uh, this chapter is spent encouraging them to stay in the fight, not to quit, lift up heavy hands, uh, be a blessing to your brother, try to encourage others. All of those things are found in Hebrews chapter number 12. And uh, he uses, of course, Hebrews 11, which deals with the great hall of faith. Uh, and uh, he begins to talk here and tell, tell them uh, that they should look diligently uh, uh, for these problems that are going to come. Look what the Bible said. Uh, verse number 12, it said, Wherefore, uh, lift up the hands which hang down uh, and the feeble knees. Now, it's not what I'm going to preach on this morning, but can I say this? Uh, there's a lot of uh, feebleness in our day. Uh, my friend, uh, all the pressures of life uh, take a toll on everybody. Can you say amen right there? And there's a lot of people in our churches, their hands are heavy uh, and their knees are feeble. Uh, I tell you, in most churches, it looks like the uh, walking dead. I mean, folks just barely dragging in and dragging out because of all the pressures and troubles uh, of life. And so the Bible here uh, tells us those of you that are up uh, ought to be helping those that are down. Now, I believe it is a real Bible ministry. 
ministry of exhortation that is needed in the church. We need some exhorters and some encouragers. Hey, we've got enough bad things. Turn on the news. It's good every now and again to hear some good things and to have some encouragement. So Paul said, lift up those heavy hands. Then he talked about making their pathway. In other words, he said, go in front of them and make the pathway straight. He said, in other words, clear the path, make it as easy to walk as we possibly can. Encourage them every way we can. Then look what he said. He said there in verse number 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. He's not talking here, of course, about losing your salvation. I'm glad, thank God, that I'm eternally saved. But here's what he's talking about. He said, if you're not careful when you get weary and when you get down, you'll fall out of those good graces of God that keep you going day by day. Amen. And you'll fall out of, you'll fall on the wayside and you'll find yourself in a mess and you'll fail to make good decisions. Now what we're going to see is he uses Esau as an example. Now that's proof that he's not talking about salvation because Esau never ceased to be a son but what he did was he lost his birthright and we're going to deal with that today but first let me just say this there's not enough there's not enough devils and not enough hells as Zeb McNairs used to say if there was 50 hells and 100 devils in every hell they still wouldn't be enough of them to make me go there amen I'm glad to report to you I'm S-A-V-E-D and it doesn't matter what the devil thinks about it well we ought to just stop and shout this morning and say thank God for eternal security I'm glad that I can't lose my salvation but you see there is a danger in falling out of the way and the Bible said that we should look diligently toward those that are struggling lest they fall out of the good graces of God now how many of you would agree with me this morning that we've seen that happen right here at the Concord Baptist Church. I've seen it happen. People will go to dragon. Troubles will come in their life. People will become weary in their mind. Hebrews 12 talks about that. And the first thing you know, they've kicked out on God and they've fallen out of the good graces of God. I believe some of them were saved. Some of them, amen. I believe some of them were saved. I believe they'll go to heaven when when they die, but they've done fell out of the good graces of God and like Esau they've made bad decisions so I'm going to preach this morning if the Lord will help us for just a little while I'm going to preach this morning on looking diligently for bad decisions or looking diligently for dangerous decisions now it's interesting to note I learned some stuff this week I never did know And I've called preacher after preacher and I've talked to preacher after preacher and I've said, when when I've uh, not called them about this, but they've called about different things and I'd be talking to them and I'd say, hey, before you get off the phone, let me ask you something. I said, have you ever heard this? Preacher after preacher said, I never heard that. Well, I I began to study this week on uh, how, how old Esau was when he sold his birthright. I tried to figure that out. And so I started studying on it, looking into it. And I started reading from the Talmud. Now, 
The Talmud, of course, is the written law. We certainly do not believe that it is inspired. It is not the Word of God. I'll say that right up front. But what it does, it's kind of like those intertestament books of the Apocrypha. It's not inspired, but it gives you some historical background. And uh, some of those Jewish writers began to write in the Jewish encyclopedia and in the Talmud, and it's talking about Esau. And I was just looking to see if anybody, if anybody happened to know how old he was when he saw, sold his birthright, and they had an idea on that, and I'll tell you about it in a minute. But I learned some interesting things about Esau I never did know. Jewish history says that Esau killed Nimrod. I never had heard that. Nimrod, of course, was a mighty hunter. Uh, and uh, the Bible identifies him as a great hunter. And, of course, Esau is also a great hunter. Hebrew legend says that the coat that God made Adam was passed down through his descendants to Nimrod. And that Nimrod had it, and he claimed that that coat brought animals to him. And that was why he was such a great hunter. And so Jewish history says that Esau laid up in the woods and waited on Nimrod and he murdered Nimrod and cut his head off and stole that coat and he murdered two other men that were with him that day and that he ran back home and when he ran back home it was the same day that he sold his birthright. And uh, Jewish history says that he was wore out from running home. He was being chased by some of Nimrod's men. And so when he gets there, he tells, uh, of course, he tells Jacob that he has uh, been out hunting and he's, he's dying and all of that speech that he gives Jacob there in the book of Genesis in Genesis 25. He gives him all of that speech. And he begins to talk about how that he's dying and, and, and Jacob is sodding that pottage. Now Jewish historians say that uh, Abraham had died that same week and that Jacob was sodding pottage for his family. That was a customary uh, food for his family. Uh, he was sodding that pottage. And Esau comes running in and he said, I've got to have something to eat. He's been on the run. He's committed three murders. Uh, He's a, the Bible said here he's a profane man. I, but if you read Genesis, you really don't understand how profane he is until you get to studying the history. I, likely he has committed these murders. I, he has committed theft. I, he has, uh, he has uh, run back home. He's wore out. I, in Esau's mind, I, he's got Nimrod's code. He no longer needs his birthright. I, he doesn't need God. He doesn't need the things of God. I, he, like Nimrod, of course, Nimrod, Nimrod was the man that built the Tower of Babel and thought he would take over the world. And probably in Esau's mind, he thought, I don't need God. I don't, hey, I'm going to take over the world. I'm a skilled hunter, and now I've got Nimrod's code. He's a profane man, the Bible said. Hey, listen to me. And he sold his birthright for a morsel of meat. He made a bad decision. Now, Hebrews uses him here as an example of somebody who goes after the flesh instead of after the Spirit. Can I say that when we become weary, a lot of times if we're not careful, we'll follow the flesh. I'm going to give you three things this morning. And like I said, I, I never had heard any of that. I got to study on that. And that's just Jewish history and all that. To me, is very interesting. Uh, about, about Esau. 
Esau, it, it kind of gives you an insight. And by the way, I do believe there's some Bible precedent for it. If you want to ask me about that, I ain't got time to deal with it this morning. But if you want to ask me about that, have church, I can show you where I believe I see it in the Bible that that, that story is probably true. But he uses him here as a profane man. And look what, I'm going to say this, three things real quick about decisions that we make. Number one, and this is so simple, you may even laugh, decisions have choices. Uh, that's simple. I, I mean, of course they have choices, preacher. But think about the choice that Esau made. And that Esau made. He chose to satisfy his flesh that rather than to think about his future. Boy, and I tell you, that's a choice that a lot of people make in their life. Esau was hungry. Esau had that most basic of human desires. The most basic of human desires is to eat. And he had that, and he was hungry, and his flesh wanted to be fulfilled. And all of a sudden, Brother Neil, he didn't care about his future. All of a sudden, he didn't care about God. He didn't care about his birthright. All that he wanted to do was fulfill, amen, the lust of the flesh. And boy, I see that played out again and again across this country. People that would rather indulge their flesh than worry about their future. And boy, isn't that sad? That's how we got in the mess we're in. We live in a nation that has done nothing but indulge its flesh. Amen. I read this morning where they're going to where they're going to approve uh, that debt, debt ceiling limit raise. And I'm telling you what I think. I, I think they ought to just quit that nonsense. They ought to say we ain't raising that no more. It's ridiculous. We're trillions. Trillions, I forget now what it was, it's like $27 trillion in debt in America. And you know why? Because we can't do anything but indulge our flesh. Let me put that in perspective for you. If you started the day Jesus was born and you spent a million dollars every day, Every day from the time of Christ until now, you spent a million dollars. You still would not have spent one trillion dollars by right now. If you spent a million dollars every day from the time that Christ was born, you still would not have spent a trillion dollars and were 27 trillion in debt. 27 of those in debt in the United States of America. And it's because we can't do nothing but indulge our flesh. And we can't say no. We can't say no. But I tell you, it's worse than that. Our churches are sitting full of people that can't do nothing but indulge their flesh. Amen. Now, don't dry up on me now. Our churches are sitting full of people that can't do anything but indulge their flesh. And we can't say no, and we can't turn our flesh down, and we can't say. And so here, Esau sold his birthright. Now, what was the big deal? Well, the birthright spoke of the father's honor. You see, it was, uh, it was how Isaac showed honor to the firstborn. Hey, the, the birthright spoke of the family heritage. It was, uh, he would be the one that would carry on the family name. It spoke of financial health. He would be the one that got the double portion. It spoke of a future hope. My friend, this family was the family that was going to produce the Messiah. Hey, that birthright was very important and in order to indulge his flesh, Esau sold out. He didn't care anything about it. He sold it out just for the opportunity to indulge his flesh. 
Can I ask you a question? Have you ever done anything, indulged your flesh in something, committed a sin, and then said, why did I do that? Boy, I sure did squander my, the presence of God in my life. I sure did squander the power of God and the purpose of God in my life for a little bitty thing. That's exactly what Esau did for just a little bit. He gave in and he sold out and he indulged his flesh. Now, How many of you will agree with me this morning that all of our flesh calls to us? Boy, I wish I was as holy as some of the preachers I know. I mean, at least they seem like they got it together. But a lot of times, Brother Neil, I don't. A lot of times my flesh wants things. A lot of, and, and sometimes I'm good at telling myself no, but I'm going to be honest, Justice, at other times I'm not real good at it. I, at other times, I, at other times I, my flesh calls to me and I give in. I, at other times I, I end up indulging. Amen now. I, and you nod your little Baptist head up and down. Everybody, we all in this same boat together. Amen. I, I, because our flesh calls to us. I, and when, we, when our flesh calls to us and when we indulge our flesh, how miserable we are. Friday night, we went over and tried that New Mexican place in Mars Hill. Everybody else loves it. I'm going to give it two stars. I just, I ain't, I ain't all about it. But we went over there and I asked the little lady, I said, what uh, is your favorite thing? She said, the Texas fajita. I said, give me one of them. And son, I laid it to my hide. I was hungry. I shoveled it in both hands. Indulge my flesh. I ate more than I needed. Come on now. Stuffed her down. Amen. And then about 3 a.m., I was up in the bathroom turning everything over, looking for a privacy, taking, taking stuff. Oh, I was paying for it. And about 3.45, I heard somebody up, and I looked, and Rachel's in the... She was in the bathroom turning everything over looking for privacies too. And I said, got the heartburn? She said, she's killing me. You see, we paid for it, but we had to have it. We indulged our flesh. But afterwards, how many of you have ever done that? And said, why in the world did I eat like that? I'll never do that again. I remember one time we went over the Asheville Tourist Games with the church and I ate like 12 hot dogs. Y'all remember that? It wasn't the time you brought, bought me that big slushy. Thank God for that. It was a different time, but I ate 12 hot dogs. I'm a sucker for ballpark hot dogs. I can eat them all day. I'll eat them and stuff them. and say, Come on now, nod your little head. I mean, put your little ketchup on them things, little pickle relish, and I can eat them with both hands. I love them. I ate 12 of them suckers. And that night, I thought to my soul I would die. Let me tell you something about ballpark hot dogs. They bark at night. Amen. <laughs> and I was laying in the, I, I still remember, I was living out there in that rock house. And I remember walking around in the living room. And I said, well, this is it. I don't know what I'm having, but I've ruptured something. Something's broke. I'm dying. This ain't good. I'll never live to see tomorrow. And I said to myself, I'll never. Eat another hot dog. But as sure as I went back to the ballpark, I smelled them. I wanted them. 
And my flesh said, just about. Now we laugh about that, but it replays in our life in a hundred different ways. Our flesh will say, just a little. Just about. Esau's flesh got the best of him. Esau's flesh said, I got to have it. And he didn't think about the future. But you see what he did was he made the choice to fulfill his flesh. So every decision has choices. But I don't know this, every decision has consequences. Now I told you the whole reason that I found out all that about killing Nimrod was I was trying to figure out how old Esau was when he sold his birthright. And here's what Jewish history says. Jewish history says that Esau was 15 years old when he sold his birthright in Genesis chapter number 25. Now fast forward to Genesis chapter number 27, and Esau is at least in his mid-40s because we find that Esau had already taken wives to marry, and the Bible said he took wives to marry when he was 40 years old. So from the time that he had sold his birthright to the time that Isaac blessed Jacob unaware, and everybody probably knows that story, how that went down, there had 30-some-odd years elapsed. Let me put it to you this way. Esau made a decision at 15, that he didn't pay for until he was in his 40s. Wow. Esau made a decision to satisfy his flesh when he was 15 years old. And all those years later, it came back to call. Let me say something to you young people, particularly you teenagers. Be careful about decisions you make. Because you can make decisions in your teenage years that will haunt you your entire life. Esau made a decision at 15 that he wept hot tears over in his 40s. He begged and he repented to Isaac. The Bible said here in the book of Hebrews that he sought repentance with tears but was not able to find it. Now I've heard idiots Preach how that meant that he could not make repentance with God. That's not what that verse taught about. If you'll read in Genesis chapter number 27, Esau doesn't repent to God. You know who he repents to? Isaac. He goes to Isaac and weeps and cries. You see, anybody that comes and weeps and cries and repents to God, God will hear and forgive. He will in no wise cast out. God don't hide anybody. He don't hide repentance from anybody that wants to repent. All that stuff's crazy. That is not the Bible. What it's talking about there is that Esau went to Isaac and he repented and he begged and he cried and he said, give me the blessing. You know what Isaac said? It's too late. I can't give you that blessing. I've already given it to Jacob. And he laid there and he cried about a decision he'd made years ago. You know, our choices we make in, our, in life, in reality, life is a series of choices. And the choices that we make today affect the choices that are available for us tomorrow. And then on down the line and on down the line and on down the line. 
And how many people have laid in their 40s and said, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Look back on their life and said, oh, all those years ago and those youthful lusts and in those youthful days, I made mistakes. I did things I shouldn't do. I wish I had it to do over again. But you can't do it over and you can't take it back. But I'm glad with Jesus there is forgiveness. Amen. I'm glad with the shed blood of Christ there is a way out. I'm glad, thank God, he will forgive of all those sins. Time out. Just say, if I got what I deserved, I'd be in hell. Amen. I'm going to tell you, I'm a filthy, rotten, low-down sinner. I made horrible decisions as a boy as a teenager and even some horrible decisions since I got saved now, I'm not proud of it I wish to have never done none of it some of it haunts me to this day through scars in my mind but I'm also at the same time glad to report to you that grace covered it all I'm glad to report to you that the blood covered it all. I'm no longer guilty of it. I'm forgiven by the grace and the shed blood of Calvary. But you gotta make, gotta be careful about making them bad decisions because they will haunt you on this earth. Let's say for a moment that I got in a car wreck. Let's say I got drunk tonight went out and got in a car wreck and had my arm severed. And then I come into church the next Sunday and repented of my drunkenness and asked God to forgive me, and he did. I could say, hallelujah, I'm forgiven of that sin. God doesn't hold it against me no more, and he wouldn't. But it wouldn't make my arm grow back. I'd still have to go through life with that missing arm. You see, that's the same, it's the same way with anything that we do. When we commit those sins, we can ask God to forgive us and He will forgive us, but it doesn't mean that we don't have to pay the consequences. And sometimes the consequences are high. Whatever you sow, you'll reap. All decisions have a consequence. Think about that. Now, the Lord wills, I may preach this. I've got a couple of youth camps I'm preaching this summer and I may preach this in youth camp and deal solely with the decisions made of youth. But I, in here this morning, I want to tell you there's a lot of gray-haired people that make bad decisions too. And I don't care if you're 15, 55, 75, or 85, bad decisions have bad consequences. Bad decisions equal bad consequences. And so the writer of the book of Hebrews, he said, let us look diligently at those that are weary, at those that are downtrodden. Let's look diligently lest they should fail from the grace of God and become a profane person like Esau and make bad decisions and sell out too cheap. So decisions have choices. Decisions have consequences. Let me give you this, and I'm done. Decisions have casualties. You know, Esau fathered an entire nation of people. They were called the Edomites. 
Fast forward 1,400 years to Malachi 1. I want Rachel to put it up, so I'm going to give her just a second. 1,400 years go by to when the minor prophets are written, Malachi chapter 1, verse 4, sweetheart. Malachi 1, 4. I want you to see what God says about the Edomites 1,400 years later. Look what it says. Whereas Edom saith, we are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, they shall build, but I will, over, I will throw down. They shall call them the border of their wickedness and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. You know what God said about Esau's crowd 1,400 years later, he said, they can build up, but I'm going to knock it down. Because I've got indignation against them forever. The Bible tells us in Exodus 34, 7, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children under the third and fourth generation. You see the danger of bad decisions, especially if you parents. I wish some of our younger parents that this sickness wasn't going around and that more of them was able to be here this morning. Maybe they're watching online. Especially for some of you parents is that the decisions you make can affect your children and your grandchildren and their children. Oh my, it affects it way down the line. How many of you have ever known a drunkard that had drunkard for kids? Drunkard for grandkids? Because it visited the second and third generation. How many of you have ever seen a dope head and you said, he does like his daddy? Or you said this, he never had a chance. That's biblical. Because that sin affects not only you, but your children and your grandchildren and their children. It goes down the line and sin gets in a family. That's why you got to be real careful. Because it don't just affect you. You know, I'm proud of Trey. But he's just like Cursed, cursed. There's times when he serves the Lord, I think. But then there's times when he's obnoxious and overbearing. And I go, yeah, yesterday, yesterday. So that's grandparents talking. Trey calls me yesterday and says, <clears throat> tell me what you think about aliens, Dad. That's the kind of, that's the kind of phone calls I get. He says, is there anything in the Bible about aliens? So I went to try and explain to him what I thought about aliens. But I couldn't explain to him for him telling me what it was I ought to be saying. <laughs> and finally I said to him, if you ain't going to hush, I ain't going to talk to you. <laughs> you can ask me later what I think about aliens. You see, he learned from me. Listen, good and bad, good and bad. 
God said, if you ain't careful, you'll make decisions that'll mess up your children's lives, your grandchildren's lives. I don't want to do that. Summer, as long as things are going good and I'm on top of the mountain and I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying and I'm studying and and I feel like glory every day, there's not much chance of me making a bad decision. It's when I'm weary. It's when the rug's been jerked out from under me and I ain't reading my Bible like I ought to and I don't feel like praying and I'm dragging around and my hands are heavy and my knees are weak. That's exactly what the book of Hebrews was describing. A Christian that's walking like this and just barely making it and dragging along. He said, boy, you better watch them diligently. They'll do just like Esau if you're not careful. They'll, they'll fail out of the grace of God. They'll, they'll make bad decisions. I've done it. I've done it. You, you've done it. Some of you, if you don't get straightened up, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. But I'm glad there's help in the altar. Helping the altar. Trace coming, he's going to get on the piano. And while, he's, while he's walking that way, I, let me just talk to you just a minute. You came in here this morning and you, you're weary. Your hands are low, your knees are weak. Circumstances of life, right? I mean, life's tough, harder on some than others. And so circumstances of life have got you dragging. Let me ask you a question this morning. What kind of decisions are you going to make? Is a pivotal bad decision that's going to affect you and your children and your grandchildren just around the corner? Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be best if you got in this altar this morning and said, Oh, God. I've looked diligently today and I've seen that around the corner from me is a bad decision if I ain't careful. Let's stand our feet. Father, thank you for helping us to preach today. I believe you've worked in hearts. I pray, God, that you just do that as only you can in our midst. We'll thank you and praise you for all that's done in Jesus' name.